Well, this morning we are wrapping up this series. We've been doing this last several weeks called Mad. So one more time, everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them, don't be mad. Come on now, look at your other neighbor, your second choice and tell them, don't be mad because you're my second choice. Don't be mad. Don't be mad. Hey, we've been having a little bit of fun, and yet we've been looking at this idea that's really happening in our world today. I don't know if you've noticed it. I've noticed it so much that there just seems to be this anger that's happening in our world today. Have you seen this? I mean, I'm telling you, you just look around, you look on your social media feed, you see what's happening in the news with all the politics and the things that are happening and the racial tensions and just everywhere. I mean, you just drive down the road and there's just this this tension that you see everywhere, road rage and all kinds of stuff that we see in the world today. It just seems like everybody's mad, frustrated, upset all the time. And what we have learned in this series is that this is actually not something to be surprised at, but actually something that we could actually expect. Jesus actually predicted that it would be this way. He said in the, in the last days, in the end times, that people would be offended. Everybody say offended. That many, many, many people would be offended and because of the offense that they would have, that there would be many people who their love would grow cold. And man, I'm telling you, I see this so much in our world today and what we see even within the church, even among the body of Christ, that people who were at one time red hot in love with Jesus Christ, in love with the church, in love with the people of God and with one another, but somehow because of offenses and because of things that have happened, that there is just this anger that has really just kind of overtaken our culture Today And so we've been talking about this in this series and like, what do we do about it? And maybe some of us even feel it in areas of our lives. And we kind of just established this fact that there are really kind of three reasons for this kind of anger that we're seeing in our world today. We talked about the fact that sometimes we get angry because of hurts. Everybody say hurts. Now, how many of you have ever been hurt by somebody before, right? Come on. And what happens is that, man, sometimes those hurts, even it can be even the smallest of hurts that can kind of build up and cause us to have this, this attitude of offense and anger. Maybe I'm mad at a brother. Maybe I'm mad at a sister. Maybe I'm mad at someone that I love. And sometimes it's the people that we love the, mo- the most that can actually hurt us the most. And so sometimes it's because of hurts. And we dealt with that a little bit in this series. And we also dealt with the fact that sometimes this anger can come out of, especially in our relationships unmet expectations. Everybody say expectations. And man, we learned this, I mean, incredible principle that, I mean, I believe that you can apply to your marriage, to your relationships at work, to your relationships in any area of your life called the expectation gap. And we talked about the fact that sometimes we put expectations on others or others put expectations on us. And when we don't meet those expectations, there's this huge gap. And right in the middle of the gap, there are these frustrations that we feel towards others. We did a whole message on that part three of the series. You might want to go back and listen to the podcast. Today we're going to deal with kind of this third reason that I think that a lot of people uh, experience this anger and so, so many of the others are about anger towards others and anger towards the world. But I believe that there's another reason that sometimes we feel anger and that is guilt. Everybody say guilt. In fact, let me just ask you a question here 
today. I need 100% audience participation here today. Raise your hand today if you have ever felt guilty. Come on, raise your hand all over this room today. Now put it down. Raise your hand again. How many of you have ever been mad at yourself before? Come on, raise your hand all over this room. And you know what it's like, man. I've experienced it myself before. Like, why did I do that? Come on, you just like, you feel so mad at yourself and so guilty. Like, why did I say that? Why did I buy that? Some of us, it's like, why did I eat that? Come on, you know what I'm saying? And there's this guilt that sometimes like, sometimes we can just kind of be mad at ourselves. And here's what happens when we deal with this issue of guilt. And when we feel guilt, sometimes what can happen is that we can kind of misinterpret it, misunderstand it, maybe even misdirect it. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, that sometimes like we can be angry at others, but if we really get down to it, really, we're more angry at ourselves, right? Because we've taken this guilt and we begin to kind of misdirect it and, and we're mad at ourselves, but then we kind of put it on other people. And so maybe we had a bad day or maybe we made some mistakes or maybe we did some stuff that we shouldn't do. And we're guilty and we feel guilty about it and we don't like ourselves. And so because we don't like ourselves, we, like, we don't like other people. And so because I'm mad at myself, then suddenly I'm mad at my wife and I'm mad at my kids and I yell and I, you know, and I kick the dog or whatever. How many know what I'm saying, right? And so there's this, there's this issue of sometimes the reason that people are mad is because really, ultimately, they're mostly just mad at ourselves. It's an issue of, of guilt that we feel deep down inside. So let's deal with it a little bit today. And let's start by just asking this question like, why am I guilty? Why do I feel guilty? Why do I experience this feeling of guilt? Have you ever asked that question before? Like, why am I feeling this? All right. I'm going to blow your mind today. All right. I'm going to just drop a wisdom bomb on you today. Are you ready for this? Why do I feel guilty? Because you are guilty. All right. So everybody just look at your neighbor and tell them you're guilty. Like you are. Why do you feel guilty? Because you are. Why do I feel guilty? Because I am. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. It says, for all. Everybody say all. For all. Who does all include? It includes all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why do we feel guilty sometimes? Because we are guilty. Because all have sinned. The scripture tells us that there is not one that is without sin, not one that is righteous, not even one of us. And so sometimes the reason we feel guilty is because we are guilty. And here's what we have to understand is that guilt is not always necessarily bad. Actually, guilt can sometimes be something that is good. It actually tells us when we have done something wrong, it's the guilt that we feel that lets us know that it was wrong so that we can learn and not do it again, right? And so sometimes guilt is not necessarily bad and we're all guilty and God can actually use that guilt to teach us and to show us some areas where we need to improve. But here's what we need to understand and this is where we're going to go with the rest of this message today is this, is that even though we're all guilty and even though guilt can sometimes be good, God never intended for you to live a life filled with guilt or with, or with shame. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit today, like how do we deal with this issue of I'm mad at myself? How do we deal with this issue 
of guilt. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage of scripture in Psalms. So if you have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and open it up to the book of Psalms. And we're going to begin reading in Psalms chapter 32 and verse 1. And while you're turning there, let me just kind of set it up for you. This is a psalm written by a guy named David. How many remember David, right? King David. And you might remember his story that David was a man who loved God, a man after God's own heart. And yet... David had a failure, and many scholars and many uh, that write commentaries say that this that he was writing was somewhere after this failure that he had with Bathsheba. You might remember the story that as the king, he saw this woman, and he decided he wanted her, and he said, bring her to me, and so they slept together, and, and then she got pregnant, and all kinds of stuff that happened. And so now, with good reason, because he was, David is feeling guilty, and he's trying to figure out how how do I deal with these feelings of guilt because of what I've done? And so that's where we pick up in Psalm 32 and verse number one. Let's read it together. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of what? Everybody say it aloud. Of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Verse five, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you what? Everybody say it. You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. What joy for those who have been cleared of all their guilt. Here's this guy who is, I mean, guilty as sin. Here's the guy who has done all kinds of stuff and he's dealing with this issue of like, I'm mad at myself. And yet that last line, he says, there is a joy that is available for those of us have, who have been cleared of all of our guilt. And I believe that God wants that for you today. In fact, the opposite of mad is joy. And I believe that God wants to give you freedom from your guilt so that you might be able to experience his joy in a way that you have never experienced it before. And so we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about what do we do to deal with guilt. And I want to start by just looking at this passage of scripture and noticing a few ways that David tried to deal with guilt and a few typical ways that maybe some of you have tried to deal with these feelings of guilt before as well. Well, the first one, if you're taking notes, is this, is that a lot of times when we have guilt or when we feel guilt or when we know that we are guilty, here's what we try to do is we try to disguise. So everybody say disguise. We try to disguise it, right? And this is what we do. I mean, this is probably like kind of our first instinct when we're guilty and when we know we're guilty is to try to act like we're not guilty. We try to hide it, right? We try to sweep it under the rug. We try to make sure that nobody else sees it. And this is exactly what David did. In verse number five, look what he said. He did. He said, I tried to hide my guilt. I mean, you think he tried to hide his guilt? I mean, look at the story. I mean, he gets, you know, Bathsheba pregnant. So now he's like freaked out because everyone's going to know. What am I going to do? And so he sends for her husband, who is a warrior, off to war. And he's trying to cover this up, like bring her, bring the husband back. Maybe, you know, they'll get together and everyone will think that it's his baby instead of my baby. And I'll cover this thing up. But then Uriah, the husband, he was such a great warrior that while his troops were out to war, he wouldn't, he wouldn't spend the night with his wife. So he slept outside in the tent. And so David 
David's going, what in the world am I supposed to do now? How am I going to cover this up? And so he says, well, I got to get rid of Uriah so that I can bring Bathsheba to myself. And so he sends Uriah out onto the front lines and tells all the rest of the people to back away. And basically he murders Uriah. All of this in an attempt to disguise, to cover up, to hide his guilt. And isn't that what we do so many times? Like in our heart, we know that we're guilty, but we don't, we don't want to admit it or say it, or we don't want anybody else to know it. And so we like, we just, let's cover it up. Let's say some stuff. Let's tell some lies. Let's kind of keep it hidden deep down underneath so that nobody will ever know. In fact, this is not just something that we do. It's something that all mankind has been doing since the very beginning of time. Like, I mean, you go back and you read Genesis. You remember the story? Adam and Eve. God says, hey, you can have anything you want in the whole garden, anything except for that one tree. Then what do they do? They eat from the one tree. And then suddenly what happens? Their eyes are open. And what do they feel? They feel guilt, knowing that they did something that was disobedient to God. And because of that guilt, what did they do? They had to try to hide it, try to cover it up. In fact, they didn't have any clothes before that time, but they made some clothes to cover themselves up because their minds were now open and they understood and then they what did they do they went and they hid from God and then when God came down to visit them and they were hiding and you know God God's going what's going on you've covered yourself up with the with these fig leaves or whatever it was and what's going on and then Adam was like well it's not my fault it's her fault and all of this was like this attempt to disguise our guilt right and this is where so many of us so many of us are we try to hide it but here's the problem here's the here's the problem when we try to disguise our guilt first of all if you're writing if you're taking notes you can write this down first of all even when others don't know god still knows right like you might be able to hide it from your friend you might be able to hide it from your life group leader teenagers you might be able to hide it from your parents you might be able to hide it from your pastor you might be able if you're really good hide it from your spouse but guess what god still knows he still sees Not only that, but let her be right, this one down, is that no matter how deep we bury it, it always rises back up to the surface. And here's what happens is the reason we're mad sometimes is because we buried this stuff deep down inside and we try to keep it down, but it keeps wanting to crop up and it affects our relationships and our lives. And eventually the scripture tells us eventually what is hidden in darkness will eventually be brought to the lights. So disguising it, man, that, that doesn't work. So some of us go, okay, I know I can't hide it. So what am I going to do when I feel this feeling of guilt? Number two, write this one down. Is here's how some of us do is we don't disguise it, but what we try to do is we try to rationalize it. Everybody say rationalize. Here's what we do when we're guilty. We're like, oh, it's not that bad. Come on, right? Like I know it's bad, but there are other people who are way worse than me. And it's, you know, it's not really that big a deal. And we try to downplay it and we try to rationalize it. Can you imagine that this might have been what David would have tried to do? Like, I'm the king. It's my kingdom. I can have anything and anybody I want. Like, I have a right to it. And he knew in his heart that it was wrong. And yet he tries to kind of rationalize that it's really not that big of a deal. And this is what we do so many times, but here's the problem that you can tell your head that is not wrong all day long, but your heart still knows. And that's the reason some of you are mad at yourself. That's the reason some of you are dealing with this issue of guilt because in your mind, you're trying to rationalize and act like it's not really that big of a deal, but down in your heart, you know, 
And so the guilt keeps welling up because you know deep down inside. And so you can rationalize all day long. But you know the word rationalize? You know what's funny about that word? Is you can actually break it down into two words. Basically like this, rational and lies. And isn't that what we do? Like we think, okay, it may even sound rational like, Others are way worse than me, and it really wasn't that big a deal. And in our mind, it's rational, but in our heart, we know it's just a bunch of lies. And this is what we do with guilt. Number three, write this one down. Some of you, you're kind of beyond that, but, and, and here's what some of you do with guilt, is you don't, you don't disguise it or rationalize it. What you try to do is you agonize over it. Come on, anybody ever been there before, right? Like, I know I'm guilty, and so what am I doing? Like, I beat myself up over and over and over about it. Why did I do that? You're such a loser, right? And you think, you think that because you failed that you are now a failure. And it's almost like this idea that I have to kind of pay penance for my sin, for what I did. I have, to, I have to pay for it. And so I have to make myself pay. And I agonize and agonize over it. In fact, this is what David did in verse 3. Look what it says. He says, I refuse to confess my sin and my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. It was like, it was like there was this guilt that was on him so much as he's, as he's beating himself up, agonizing over his guilt, and it's making himself miserable. And guess what? Misery loves company, right? And so what happens is it makes us miserable, and it makes everybody else miserable, and we miss out on the joy and the peace that God really wants us to have as a follower of Jesus. Some of you are even here right now, and this is what you're doing. Like you're sitting in this room, and you're thinking about things in your past, things that that you have done, and you're agonizing over and over and over. But let me tell you, that's not the answer for how to deal with guilt. Some of us, here's what we do. We're not necessarily disguising it or or, or, or rationalizing it or agonizing over it. Some of us get to this point, and I believe this is the place where Really, a, a lot of things are happening in our, in our society, in our culture today, and that is this, is that we just compromise. Everybody say compromise. Here's what happens is that sometimes what we do is because we can't seem to reconcile the guilt that we feel in our heart in order to try to feel better about it, what we do is we actually just lower the standard enough to the point where we say, I, I felt like that was wrong, but I'm going to lower my standards to where I now long, no longer think that it was even wrong. And this is what happens in our culture today. I mean, you look around, you will see we are redefining what is wrong. Things that clearly the Word of God says these things are wrong, and yet because we can't seem to reconcile them in our heart and we want to keep doing them, here's what we do is we lower the standard to the point where we actually have redefined what is right and wrong. We redefine what is sin and what is not, and it's in this attempt to be able to do what we want but not feel guilty about doing it. And here's what happens. There's a Chinese proverb that says this, that if you commit a sin twice, it's no longer a sin. And this is what we see happening so many times, is that we do these things and we rationalize them enough, even to the point where we compromise down to a level where we, where we say, well, it's no longer even really a sin. And what can even happen is that we can become so hardened in our heart towards it that the scripture actually talked about it like this in the book of, in, in one of the Timothys, it says that their, that their consciences became seared 
as with a hot iron. How many of you ever burned yourself before with an iron? Ladies, maybe you burn yourself with a curling iron, or, or guys, you burn yourself with an iron or something like that. And what happens when you, when you burn the flesh is that, is that the outer nerve endings of that flesh, they, they get burned and, and to the point they die. And then even after the burn is healed, that, that spot can no longer have the sensation of touch or feel. You don't feel anything there anymore because it was seared with an iron. And here's what the scripture says, that some of us, Actually, if we continue to lower the standards enough, if we continue to compromise enough, we can actually get to a place where, where we no longer even know what's right and wrong anymore, that our consciences are seared and burned like with a hot iron. We need God to come in and begin to soften our hearts once again. Some of you are here today and you're going, man, I recognize this pastor like, I'm dealing with this. Like, there's anger that comes out towards others, but if I'm really honest, I'm really not mad at my wife or my kids or my boss or whatever. What, what's really happened is I'm mad at myself. Some of you are even, like, to the point where there's so much guilt that you don't know, you don't know what to do about it. You, ha- you have a hard time even looking at yourself in the mirror. You don't even like yourself anymore, and it's because of these feelings of guilt. And you say, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do about it? Well, let's talk about it for a second. Let's look at, let's look at David and look at this story. And I want you to just see three very simple and quick things today from, from David's story and from this passage. If you are dealing with guilt today, if you're mad at yourself today, here's the first thing you got to do is you got to admit it. So everybody just say admit it. You just got to come clean. You got to admit it. Hey, guess what? I am guilty. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, there are areas of my life that are not lining up with God's righteous standard or with God's word. Maybe I've compromised or I've tried to rationalize or I've tried to cover it up and tried to hide it. But man, no longer am I going to hide it. I'm going to bring it out into the light. That's how you deal with things is you bring them from the darkness out into the light. This is exactly what happens with David. Verse number five, look what it says. Finally, I confessed all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide it. The first step to freedom from guilt, the first step to being out of this guilt and into the joy and the freedom and the peace that God has for you is you got to admit it. You got to get it out in the light. You got to stop trying to hide it and put it out there. And there's two key words, I think, in this passage. The first one is this, finally, everybody say finally. Finally, like David's like, I've been trying and trying and trying to hide it. I've been trying and trying to deal with it on my own. And it just seems to be frustrating me and causing me to be mad at myself and the world and everybody else. And finally, I've got to come to a place where I realize I can't deal with this on my own. I've got to bring it out into the light and give it to God. And some of you are here today, like like you've been dealing with something in the secret for a long, long time, and today is the day when you finally need to bring it to the lights. You bring it to God, you, you confess it to God, but maybe not even just to God. Maybe some of you, you need to find a life group leader. You need to find a counselor or a pastor. Some of you need to talk to your spouse about some things that you've, you've kept buried and the guilt is killing you. And the only way to find, to find freedom and healing is to bring it out into the light. In fact, this is why life groups are so important. If you're not in a life group, you need to get in a life group. You need to go by the life group wall today and figure out which group is best for you and get into a group because this is where you're going to find this kind of healing. People that love you, people that you can trust that can help you through some of these... Some 
some of these things. In fact, here's what the scripture says in James 5 and 16. It says, confess your sins to one another that you may be, that you may be healed. The scripture says, hey, you know, a lot of times we think I'm just supposed to confess to God and that's where it starts. But actually the scripture says that healing comes when I don't just confess to God, but I confess to others, people that I love and that love me and that I can trust so that they can pray for me and I can find a healing. Finally, some of you, finally today is going to be the day. And then notice what it says. It says, not just finally, but it says all. Everybody say all. I confess all of my sins. Some of you, the reason that you're still dealing with guilt is because you've given 99% of it to God. But the way you're going to really find freedom is to bring that extra 1%, all of it. I've surrendered it and given it all to God. In fact, this is what uh, the scripture says in Proverbs 28 and verse 13. If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them, you will receive mercy. I'm going to admit it. Everybody say it again. Admit it. Number two, write this one down. Here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to forgive it. I know, I'm just blowing your mind with this depth this morning. And, and yet, as simple as it is, some of us never actually do the simple things. Guess what, guys? You want to deal with some guilt? Admit it, and then ask God to forgive it. And you know what? He has promised he would do that he would forgive. First John 1, 9, you know what it says? It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will what? He will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You know what that means? Faithful and just. You know what that means? That means every time. That means if we bring it to God and if we ask him to, that every single time that he will forgive us. But here's the deal is that a lot of times we think that we got to come to God and we got to like beg God to forgive us, right? Anybody ever begged God before? Oh God, please, please, please forgive me, right? And I, I do believe that there should be remorse when we have, when we have wrongs and we have sins in our life. But but God hasn't called us to have to beg him. Sometimes here's what we even do is we like, like bargain with God. Anybody ever done this before? Like, God, if you'll forgive me, I promise I'll never do it ever again, right? And it's like we make deals with God. Like, God, if you'll forgive me of this thing, then I promise I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll be the model Christian. I'll even give my tithes. I'll even work with the life kids, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do if you'll just forgive me. And it's like we're bargaining with God. Like, God, I'll do all this stuff if you'll just, if you'll just do this for me. It's like we're paying a penance. In fact, I heard about a church in, in uh, Mexico a Catholic church where they had this idea that God is this God that you have to like, you have to come to him and pay for your sins. And so what they would do is that the, the people who attended the church about a mile away from the church, they actually would get down on their knees and they would walk on their, on their hands and knees for the last mile on their way to church. I mean, to the point where like their, their pants would get worn out and their, their legs would get all bloody. And there was like this trail of blood of people going to the church. And it was like they were trying to pay themselves for what they had done wrong. And here's the deal is that that's the way that we have this image of God in our mind sometimes. Maybe not that we have to like crawl for the last mile of the church, but almost like we have to crawl back to God, begging and pleading him to forgive us, thinking that we have to pay for the wrongs that we have done. But God is not a God that says you got to beg or you got to bargain. Here's what he says. If you just believe, everybody say believe. Here's how we ask for forgiveness. We just believe. We come to him and we ask him. 
And we believe that when we ask that he has, that he has forgiven us. In fact, this is what it says in, in uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, here's what I'm doing. I'm admitting to God that Jesus is Lord. And then what do I do? I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be what? You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. You know what that word justified means? It means that it's just as if it never happened. It's not just that he forgave you. It's like he wiped the slate clean. It's not even that he restored. It's like a brand new start. That if I believe in my heart that I will be, that I will be justified. And it is with my mouth that I profess my faith and I am saved. See, sometimes we think that I have to do something in order to receive forgiveness. But here's what we got to understand is forgiveness is not based on what you do. Forgiveness is based upon what Christ has already done. And so you just have to ask. You don't have to beg or bargain, bargain or plead. You just believe. You admit, God, I'm a sinner. God, forgive me. You bring it out into the light. You expose it so that there can be healing. You ask God and maybe even others to forgive you. Finally, this is what you do. You accept it. Everybody say accept it. Accept it. And you move on. Accept it and you move on. Some of you... You've been forgiven. You've asked God to forgive you. But six weeks has gone by. Six months has gone by. Six years has gone by. And you still don't feel forgiven. You're still struggling with guilt over things that you did years ago that you just can't seem to get past your past. Let me just tell you something. If you have, if you have admitted it, brought it to the light, if you've given it to God, if you've asked Him to forgive you, guess what? You can accept His forgiveness You can move on. You know what the scripture tells us in Romans 8? It says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have surrendered your life to him, you have confessed your sin to him, there is no condemnation for you. In fact, Jesus didn't come to condemn us. You know, we all know John 3, 16, right? God so loved the world, gave his only son, whoever believed in him, not perish, have everlasting life. You know what John 3, 17 says? John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Jesus came to not to condemn you of your sin, but to free you from it, to save you from the penalty of your sin. So, so this is what you got to do. you got to accept it and move on. I love what the Scripture says in Isaiah 1 and verse number 18. Look what it says. Come now, let us, everybody say those words out loud. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. Here's the deal. Some of us today, the reason that you're still feeling guilt over things that God has already forgiven you of is you have not yet settled the matter. And today you need to settle it. Hey, maybe some of you, you've never accepted Christ. You've never asked for that forgiveness. Today would be the day. Others of you are still struggling with guilt guilt and with resentment and things of your past, but today would be the day when you would settle the issue. You know, some of us, we walk around with all these open wounds, open stuff in our life that God has forgiven, but we have not forgiven ourselves. You know what it does? It zaps all of your joy. It zaps all of your energy. It zaps all of your life. You can't live. You live mad, frustrated, upset. 
Because you're losing all the joy and the energy that God wants to give you because you got this stuff that's unsettled. It's kind of like, like on my phone. Every once in a while, my phone, I'll notice that the battery is going low. And I don't understand. Like, I charged it. Why is the battery going low? And so you push the home button twice, right? You ever done that before? You hit it twice. And what happens? Suddenly, you realize there's all these apps that were open in the background and you didn't even know it. Anybody ever done that before, right? And so you got like 14 apps in there and it's sucking the energy dry from your phone. So what do you have to do? You close the app, you close the app, you close the app, you close the app, you settle the issue. And then what happens? Your phone has, has more charge, it has more life, it has more battery. And some of you, you got all these open apps that are going on in your life. You got all this stuff that God has already settled it. He settled it 2,000 years ago when he went to the cross and when he died and when he came and he rose again and if you have given it to him it's settled in his mind but you got to settle it in your own mind you got to close the app you got to you got to settle the issue so that you can feel the forgiveness that God intends for you you know sometimes my phone will be acting up be weird you know I close all the apps and stuff and I still can't figure out like why is it why is it acting weird and my my wife will go how long has it been since you powered it down and turned it back on, right? And so what do I do? I turn it off and turn it back on, and it's like a fresh start. Some of you, man, that's what you need today. You need a fresh start, that this would be the moment and the day and the time that God would say, hey, start start fresh, start over, start here, start now. You know, one of the ways that you get, you get great energy and joy is actually even taking the thing that that you have felt guilty about and you find forgiveness over and not only experiencing that yourself but then even using those things of your past to help others to find freedom and find forgiveness as well in fact that's why we do the life track around here today we're actually on week three of the life track that helps you to find your purpose and your fit and what God has called you to do and you know it's so cool today on week three we're talking about how can you use the things that God has put in your life to help someone else and we talk about the spiritual gifts and we talk about some of those things but one of the things we talk about is that God can actually use experiences in your life even your failures even the stuff where you've blown it and you've messed up you can find freedom from that and then you can turn around and help somebody else to find freedom as well and that's happening today right after this service in 1150 service you might want to get involved in it because God says I want to not just give you freedom but I want to help you to help others to find freedom and it all begins right here in this moment in this time in fact this is what Paul said about it book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 look what he says for one thing I do Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. Everybody say it out loud. I press on. Right here and right now, I believe that God wants to do a work of healing in some of your lives. You're going to have to forget some old stuff. You're going to have to press on towards the new stuff.